and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Hi everyone, as you may have heard this week, we're switching it up a bit and are playing for you the audio portion of one of our IEW webinars. Today's episode is part two of that webinar, so if it sounds like you're jumping into the middle of a conversation, well, it's because you are. And like we do for each podcast recording, we'll post any links or websites mentioned at IEW.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Now, unit two, we move on to basically uh, writing out those things which you were able to say into complete sentences on paper. So you retell in writing by using the keyword outline. It gets everybody writing and, and understanding the writing and rewriting process while they don't have to get stuck on, I don't know what to write, I can't think of anything, I don't know what to say. We can also begin to introduce the stylistic techniques, the dress-ups, the whole other part of the structure and style syllabus. And this will begin to sensitize them to the verbs and the uh, adjectives, the adverbs, the, the clauses that they can use to make their writing sound a little bit more stylish or professional, if you will. And the goal, of course, is ultimately for them to be independent in this task. But if you're dealing with very young children, don't stress about whether they become independent or not. You can go a whole year with young children and just do everything together, and you still get a very valuable learning experience out of that. Recommended materials are pretty much the same. You can use fiction like Aesop fables. Parables from the Bible work very well. Nonfiction, again, interesting information. There's the poster now that reminds students to double space and we introduced the idea of the final clincher repeating words from the title, repeating keywords from the final sentence in the composition. So you begin with demonstrations, read the story, read the article, whatever it is, create the keyword outline, remove the original text, retell it verbally, and then write the story or article together. Now, certainly if this is your second year or you're dealing with you know students who are, say, fourth, fifth grade and up, you wouldn't have to take the step of writing the whole story or article together. This would be appropriate for very young children who are still much more in the copying than writing independent phases. Or if you're teaching children who have learning difficulties or second language, you want to model it very tightly. So this idea D there to do that together would be if needed. And then it's perfectly OK if they just copy from the board what you're doing together. That's you know that's a form of the modeling. And then just repeat that until it becomes uh, easy. When they can do that pretty easily, then you will be ready to introduce the dress-up techniques. And uh, on our list in the style section of the seminar workbook, which in the old one begins on page 17, but in the new one is actually its own separate tabbed section in the back of the book, 
I usually begin with the LY adverb. Uh, that seems to be the easiest of the dress-ups for students to grasp and choose a word and put it into a sentence. Adverbs are very flexible, uh, easy to fit into sentences. Usually when that's easy, um, I would add another dress-up technique, maybe the who or which clause. So you work with a vocabulary and then a grammar and then we'll go back to a vocabulary and then a, a syntax. The who which clause is less natural to children because it's less colloquial. We're less likely to speak and hear people speaking using the word who or which. It's a little more literary. Children who read or in particular are read to aloud will catch on to uh, the, this idea of the who which clause a lot faster than children who, who haven't been read to as much. And the most important thing to remember here with the stylistic techniques is that they should be dripped in as they become easy. The formula is easy plus one. You don't know how fast that's going to go. If you're working with very young children, second, third grade, you may spend four months to get three dress-ups until all three are easy and that would be fine. It would be far better to go too slow than to go too fast. If your students ever say, oh, this checklist is too hard, do I have to do all these things? What they're really saying is, teacher, you taught me too much too fast. So please emblazon this in your mind that the easy plus one, that is the formula for success in teaching the stylistic techniques. It is much, much easier, much, much better to go too slow than too fast. And the speed that you introduce them is not based on anything. It's not based on grade level. It's not based on which year you're in. It's not based on what book you're using. It's based on the simple idea that you teach one thing until it has become easy, meaning the student can do it without much help and it doesn't sound too goofy most of the time. And then, and only then, do you introduce the next technique. You do just those two until it becomes easy, without much help and not too goofy. And when doing two is easy, then and only then, do you introduce a third. When three is easy, then and only then, a fourth. So even if you buy one of our books, one of our theme-based writing books, or a student writing intensive, or whatever, anything you buy from us, it will have checklists. But those checklists are just suggestions you have to control that. Don't let it control you. And if that book is going too fast for your student or your group of students, then you just cross some things off that checklist and you stick with those three or whatever you're at until doing those three has become easy. And then you add the next one. So level A, we would say you could introduce an LY adverb here in unit two, possibly a who, which clause. Level B, two, maybe three things. Level C, three or four, maybe five things. Again, you, you can't know because you can't know until you do it whether it's appropriate to, to go faster. And I know that, you know, in the past I have made the mistake of, of introducing too many things too quickly for many of the students in a group. And I know that when I teach teaching writing instruction style, I have to introduce the whole syllabus of stylistic techniques, all the dress-ups, openers, decorations, and triples, you know, all in two days. And some of the adults, some of the teachers in there get a little bit overwhelmed because 
that is uh, a little too much. So remember that rule, EZ plus one. Um, I always want to demonstrate very clearly, and you'll see me do this on the student videos. If you have not watched me teach a group of students, get a hold of one of those videos and watch it because I'm, I've been doing this for 20 years, and, and I really do believe that this is the best way to demonstrate. You show them on the board how to double space, how to uh, cross out and write in the space above, how to add in words with the little upside down V caret widgey thingy. If you show them exactly how you want everything set up first, then there's a much better chance that they will do that that way. So modeling is just everything, especially in the very beginning. And then one thing that, that I like to do is suggest you write your rough draft in pen so that you don't erase anything. Then you don't waste any time erasing. If you have not heard me talk about the benefits of pen over pencil, that is in the main seminar. I also wrote a little article, Convert to Pen, that talks about this as well. Uh, Angela, the demonstration classes that are included with the TWSS seminar are simply the unit one and two. It's a first lesson with a group of kids who has done nothing, or I'm assuming they've done nothing. Then if you want to see demonstrations of other units, those are available in the student writing intensive uh, and even more so in the um, continuation course. Uh, teachers, uh, if you're teaching in a school, we have a set of videos called Models for Imitation that give one lesson in each of the nine units. So I, th I think that's tremendously helpful, is watching teachers do this, watching another teacher work with a group of children. That gives you the vision like, like nothing else will. A few words about pen versus keyboard. Um, I do think it's very valuable to keep children writing on paper for as long as you can. Uh, now certainly, eventually you lose the battle, probably around, I don't know, 13 to 15, somewhere in that zone, uh, they're just going to say, why? Why? Why can't I just type it? And, and, you know, you'll lose the battle. Certainly by 15, most people will lose the battle. But if you can keep the kids writing on paper for several years, say from 7 or 8 until they're 12 or 13, then they actually will develop the skill of writing on paper. If you let a 9-year-old type everything and never write on paper except maybe to do math, and now you can do math programs without even writing on paper. You could actually, you could hit, you know, high school age or adulthood not being able to write sentences on paper. That is a skill that could completely atrophy with the keyboard. And so, while certainly most of the professional world is using a keyboard most of the time, I don't think that many of us are yet ready to admit that there isn't value in having the distinctly human skill of writing on paper. The second thing is writing on paper actually activates more of your brain and there's a bit of research to show that children taking standardized writing tests at all grade levels, the ones who wrote on paper, well I don't know, that didn't go into high school, but up through middle school, the ones writing on paper actually wrote more in the time provided and wrote better quality. I think one of the problems with the keyboard is you know you can kind of type a little bit and then not like it and erase or, or mess around with it so much um, that you, you kind of lose what you are doing. And then the activating more of the brain, the part actually that's activated when you write on paper and in particularly in, in cursive is that it uses more of the artistic 
parts of the brain were the creative, intuitive, artistic parts. So anyway, we could go on on that all night long, but uh, we won't. So, okay, a few reminders for unit two. You want to establish the habits of rewriting. So if you if you never erase, then you always have to recopy or type a final draft. I always want to suggest that you be a minimalist in your editing of the student paper. Fix those things you need to fix to make it legal, but don't try to make it good. Just try to make it legal. One of the uh, very uh, important and valuable talks that I always want people to hear, if at all possible, is the four deadly errors of teaching writing. That would be over-correcting, would be the first deadly error, um, withholding help, unclear assignments, and over-expectation. And, of course, don't get stuck. If you're working with grades two and three, you know, six weeks, that's great. Average middle school, upper elementary middle school, a month, three to four weeks. If you're working with high school, you could do two weeks and then move on because there really is, is no reason to overkill this unit one and two. You're just trying to teach certain skills. And you don't have to feel like you did it 100% move on even if you feel like okay I'm not sure everybody fully got that but it's probably more important to move on than to stick there until you're bored and tired of it that's probably my biggest problem you know people call me up and say oh we've been using a writing program this year and it went really well for a while and then it just seemed not to work so good anymore okay my first question is what unit are you on knowing that it's december and then they say uh, what do you mean then I know exactly what the problem is. They forgot about the units. They learned how to do the keyword outlines from every sentence, having learned that in the seminar or workshop or somebody showed it to them or whatever. And then they didn't realize there's seven more units to go and get through. So don't get stuck there. I think it's wonderful to have student samples that help you have an expectation of what top students can do, what's the potential, and also to share student samples with students so they get to see, oh, this is what other students can do. We have our magnum opus magazine. We publish three quarterly, three a year online, and then one a full paper version that we distribute during the summer at conventions. You're welcome to subscribe. So we publish a copy of this online magnum opus magazine once every month and the students are then able to uh, read each other's writing your students can submit something to our editor and so visit that magnumopusmagazine.com it's it's latin of course for great work and so we want to showcase the great work of the students oh just let's zip through here because i, I want to wrap it up on time and i see uh, half a dozen questions so i want to be sure and get to but here's a typical level a student sample here we have a, a keyword outline on the space fence. A little bit hard to read there. 2009 US something Russia collision debris priority 1980 Fortunately, I don't have to understand this child's keyword outline. He or she needs to know what she she was thinking when she wrote it down. Fortunately, we've got the written out version here by Annalise. So here's uh, something from a keyword outline by a, a nine-year-old student. 
In 2009, U.S. and Russian satellites collided. With so many collisions, a lot of debris was orbiting the Earth. In 1980, 5,000 pieces of debris were tracked. In 2010, over 15,000 pieces were tracked. To stop collisions, engineers will build a tracking system called the Space Fence. The Space Fence can detect, track, and measure debris as small as a softball. New data can redirect satellites to avoid collisions. Construction began on the Marshall Islands in 2014 and will end in 2017. Amazingly, the new Space Fence can detect up to 200,000 pieces of debris. Wow. I never knew that. That's very interesting. Sounds like a good use of technology there. And uh, we don't know what level of style this student had learned at this point. We do know that she has used this L-Y word in the last sentence there. I don't see a who or which clause anywhere. So really, she's just at the beginning. This is probably her first year and one of her first few assignments. Level B, student sample. Here's another keyword outline on one of my favorite topics, the eggplant. I actually wrote the source text on this, so I am an expert. And uh, I must say this little student, Catherine, she uh, wrote a much superior version of this content than I had provided her with originally. Many picky eaters loathe the unique taste of the lovely eggplant, but many others find it quite delicious and appealing. The eggplant tastes similar to a turnip with the qualities of a squash. Despite what many think, it has many vitamins and minerals, including vitamins C, E, K, and B. In 2012, China was the main producer of eggplants. 120 days of sultry weather is required for the ripening of this magnificent plant. In the right conditions, one could grow eggplants in a greenhouse, and they would be just as happy if they were on a farm in China. Upper-class chefs have made glorious delicacies out of this grandiloquent vegetable that finicky eaters would find abhorrent, distasteful, and particularly noisome. Its leathery skin, which contains a nosinin, potential potent antioxidant that protects cell membranes from damage, has a deep majestic purple hue that is a popular color in women's clothing. If overcooked, the eggplant may take on a bitter flavor. This is more than likely the reason that it is not much of a crowd pleaser. Regardless of its sometimes acrid taste, it is always quite palatable when deep-fried in peanut oil and drenched in ranch dressing. Well, she went way off that outline and turned the whole thing around on me to say what a lovely thing an eggplant is. Well, to each his own. Level C, this is, uh, oh, this is from the uh, student writing intensive group C about how uh, Thomas Jefferson played his violin to overcome writer's block. That's a, a great lesson. That one's actually on the uh, original set of student writing, or the, sorry, the student writing intensive level A, level C first lesson. Okay, we'll finish it up here. Magnum opus, writing source packet with units one and two. If you need more source text, we can get that. We have our AEW families group or a teacher forum group. You can click that live link if you want to go to that section of our webpage where users out there extend, uh, share ideas with each other. We have our newsletter we send out. I was going to say bi-monthly, but Julie will probably tell me we do that every month too. I didn't even know. All these people working harder than I'm aware of. And you can always call us or write to us. We've got a whole team of wonderful customer service as well as expert teachers on, uh, on hand to answer any question that you can come up with. Now, I do have a few questions. Amber, you are asking, is there a list anywhere of what symbols are to be used? It's my first year, and I'm trying to find where everything is located and how to use everything together. 
my kids keep trying to draw pictures for words. Well, there is no official list of symbols per se. In the old tips and tricks handout, there were a couple pages of symbols that some teacher put together. And I think that's still available as a free download at IEW.com slash tips, T-I-P-S. My basic rule for kids is this. If it takes you longer to draw the symbol than it would to write the word, it isn't a symbol. It's an elaborate little picture. And so you have to be able to write the symbol faster than you could write the word. And you have to be able to recognize it you know, pretty easily at a later date. So what you might do is, is gradually with your students build a list of acceptable symbols and say, you know, these are the ones you can use. But, you know, a lot of kids are very kind of artistic in their in their thinking and their way of remembering. And so I don't like to be too strict unless I have to. But, yeah, if you're getting a little, you know, line of five elaborately drawn little pictures to try and reconstruct the whole sentence, then I'd try to, I'd try to minimize that. Kimberly, I have the premium. Is there a checklist with it? Not sure what you mean by a checklist. The seminar workbook is full of sample checklists. Actually, the teacher practicum at the end of each unit has a checklist. And uh, it is, of course, a sample for the teacher's use. And then each and every one of the student materials that we put out from the student intensive to any of the theme-based lessons, they all have checklists. So the idea is you're kind of making your own checklist as you go, or you're using one that's at an appropriate speed. Form well, formatting rules, yes, we can include that. Double space, you know, name on paper, stuff like that. Uh, structure and type. Yeah, the, the checklists are all, are all in the book there. So I think if you spend a little time visiting with that seminar workbook, you'll discover samples in the back of each section. Angela is asking, I used TWS system on the younger boys last year. Would it be worth starting this year with the demo classes? Uh, well, it couldn't hurt. I'm sure they'll laugh if they haven't seen it before, and they might even laugh if they have seen it before. I don't think it would hurt. Uh, it's always good to review. You know, kids do lose a bit over the summer. If they're not doing something, they can kind of lose things. So I would suggest that, yes, indeed, it's probably a good way to go. And then if they say, oh, Mom, we know all this, well, then say, okay, well, just watch it, and we won't do any more like this. We'll move on since you're so smart. What if you're teaching just once a week? How long should we spend in the first students? Well, I'm assuming, Linda, that you're teaching once a week, and then the students can go and do that assignment at home or do another short one just like it. So I'm assuming that you're giving a little bit of homework. If you're not giving a little bit of homework, you may want to just slow down and spend a bit longer than a month because that would just be for four lessons, for four periods. So I think it would kind of depend on, on if they're able to do homework. If not, then maybe you, you would take more and just not go as far in the syllabus. And that might depend on the age of the kids, too. Kathleen, I understand legal and minimum correction. What about if it isn't clear what they're trying to say? Does this question make sense? Yeah, oftentimes I'll read things that kids wrote and not really know what they were trying to say. That's okay. I don't dwell on the problem because it may not make sense to me, it may not make sense to you, but it made sense to them, that's why they wrote it. You can't really force them to grow up faster than they're going to grow up. You could have a little conversation and say, can you tell me what you're trying to say here 
and then write it out for them so that it does make sense to you. But you don't want to go too far in that direction because I'm not sure it really teaches all that much of what they need to learn. You know, this is what you were trying to say and this is how you could have said it better. But in their mind, they're thinking, well, if I could have said it better, I would have said it better. So, you know, okay, I'll do whatever you say. So you, they, you can get students become a little bit passive or, or even fearful about writing something if, you're, if you go too far in that direction. Does that make sense, Kathleen? I, I hope so. Could you give me a heads up if that kind of answered that question for you? Vanessa, looking into modeling checklists. I find boxes check off for one because clause, two quality adjective. Is there some place I can find examples? I don't remember these from the DVDs. A because clause is just simply a clause that uses the word because. A quality adjective is an adjective that gives a stronger image or feeling as opposed to a weak, lame, lousy adjective like good or bad or big. So uh, I would try to you know review that and then check the seminar workbook for some examples. And if you need uh, more, if you have, still have questions, contact our uh, IW Families group uh, or, or email in a question, and we will we'll try to direct that to someone who can answer your specific question. But I think spend a little time with the seminar workbook. Uh, that should help. Jennifer, if the final paper is corrected by hand, is it preferred that it be in cursive or print? Well, I've changed my whole attitude about cursive writing, and so I think it would be great if children learn cursive and practice enough so that it becomes easy and natural. Not everybody is willing to do that in this day and age, so I don't know what to say about your situation because I don't know how experienced the student is already in cursive, but if you are trying to practice cursive, then copying the final paper by hand in cursive is a great opportunity to practice it. I actually converted myself uh, from a man who printed everything to a man who now can write in cursive. It took me, I, I did it at the age of 50, and it took me about seven months to the point where I could write faster and more fluently and more legibly in cursive than I could print. So I think there's value, but a lot of people aren't going to do it, either because it's too much trouble or they don't think it's necessary. Uh, Kimberly, you found it. Okay, excellent. Kathleen, yes, good, okay. And Vanessa, you found what you're looking for. Good, so everybody's uh, found what they need. I hope so. If you still got some unanswered questions, don't hesitate to contact us. And as I said, don't forget to check out some of our new resources at the beginning of this school year. I wish you all my very, very best, and I do hope that you Get off to a great start and uh, join us next month for our uh, Unit 3 webinar. And hopefully you can report some successes to each other. But it's been a great joy to be with you. And with that, we'll end on time and hear the beautiful sounds of Respighi to move us on our way. Do not grow weary in doing good. so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. 
Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.